Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. It's good to be back in the crux. It's good to have you back. I, uh, man, you guys are doing awesome, Taylor and the, and the whole team. Pastor Taylor. Bam. Come on, iPad, don't fail me now. And the team, you guys are awesome, man. It's a great atmosphere, great time of worship and all that. It's just so good, and you guys are ripping it up. I love it. I love being in a group where people worship with all their hearts. Like, it's so good. And uh, I was going to say, too, um, well, uh, we could go. I got braces. So if I have a lisp and I'm talking a little bit, (laughs) don't make fun of me. No. Braces. Brace yourself, it's about to get really crazy in here. <laughs> Who is this? If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Joshua 18. Joshua 18. And we'll, we'll start in verse 1. But yeah, it's, it's exciting, man. Uh, man I, it's been like a crazy like last month or two or however long it's been. It's been kind of a big blur. <laughs> like I got to speak at the last two conferences. And uh, last... Saturday or whatever it was. No, last Saturday I was in Seattle. So I was in wow. Seattle Friday and Saturday, and we came there and, and released the firestorm, and Jeremy was preaching, I was leading worship, and and uh, it was amazing, man, and just brought everyone to a place of face-to-face intimacy with the Lord, and got to minister to a bunch of leaders there as well, and then, but the week before, we got to minister to, at the conference, and this, and I had a, I had a, I had a, uh, like a vision of like someone's like back being healed of like like metal rods and stuff. So one lady came up and and she and but then I, but then there I, I swore there was more and this whole thing. So I was like, if you have metal in your body, just come up. And so this other guy comes up who had um, who had had like his his ankle was fused and the doctor said he wasn't going to be able to run anymore. This was six years ago, and the doctor says they weren't going to be able to run run anymore. And so we're like, let's go after this thing. So he has metal in his ankle and he can't. He had like very limited mobility and can't run. For six years, we pray for him. And I didn't even lay hands on him. This is what I'm learning, is that in the presence of God, and not like, oh, you guys laid hands, that's bad. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying this is my journey right now, okay? So I'm learning that in the, when the glory of God's in a place, that, that there's an ease that comes to miracles. That, that there's, I believe in, in laying on the hands, I've been doing it. I taught you guys that for about the last 10 years. So, you know, like, so obviously I believe in it. But there's something that I'm learning about the, the glory of God and the presence of God, that when people just stand in the presence of God, they get changed. And, and I'm finding out that I don't always have to lay hands. So sometimes I do. If, if, if nothing's happening, then I'll come down and put my hand on them, you know, whatever it is. But the dude was just standing there in the presence of God, and I just prayed, God, we command all the metal to dissolve, whatever needs to be done in Jesus' name, like 30 seconds or less, and the dude starts moving his ankle around, like, and he's like all excited, he's like, I'm not, I, I said, do something you can't do, because, you know, that's what you do, right, you didn't do something you can't, <laughs> do something impossible, okay, and so, you know, because they have faith, they didn't even think that that was a weird thing to do, you get, did you just get what I said? Yeah, good, yeah. If I tell you to do something impossible, it takes faith to do something impossible. And he's doing something impossible because the faith went inside of his heart and he was moved. Remember Jesus said, your faith has healed you? 
So it was the faith that was in their heart that actually did something. And this dude started doing it. I'm like, come up here, man. I said, go run back and forth. And he's like, you know, like he's this big dude. And and totally, and this is what he said. He said he had been, he's in a soccer coach and all that happened and God totally dissolved the metal in his ankle in like 30 seconds. Come on, somebody. It was amazing. And this is what I'm learning. In the glory of God, things happen a lot quicker. (laughs) Things, there's less striving and a lot more just letting the river flow. Another, another time, I'm just telling you what I've been doing, okay? Is that cool? We'll get in Joshua 18 in a second. But, and, and then another time, I forget, it was maybe a, a month ago now, I don't remember. But I had a word about just like healing in the neck and the shoulders. And, the, and so I, I did the same thing. I did not lay hands on them. I just told them to come up. And sometimes, sometimes just so you know what's happening, is when I tell someone to stand in a certain place, you see me do that? Uh, it's because the angel of the Lord is there or the presence of God is there. So you put them in the angel and you put them in the presence. And then God does the rest of it, you know? And so so sometimes I'll tell someone, just okay, just stand right there. And I walk away to the other side of the room on purpose so they know it's not me doing anything. And I don't, and this lady, so she, anyway, I asked, I interviewed him after, I, I said, hey, how are you doing? Check it out. And she said that before the meeting, she went to a massage for two hours to get the pain out of her neck and her back, and it didn't work. And then she said, like 30 seconds in the glory, completely all the pain was completely gone. And I said, Yo, you should have came here first. It would have saved you some money, girl. You could have put that money in the offering. No, I'm playing. Because Jesus is watching. Remember? That's what, that's, what, that's what Dominic said. Anyway, so it's been amazing, man. It's not, it's, you got to remember, it's not just signs and wonders. It's not just things. They're real people with real pain that Jesus cares about taking away. All right? And, and, and we're learning how to walk with the Holy Spirit and learning how to flow with what God's doing. We're learning how to partner with Him instead of try to work towards Him. I'm working more now from Him because I'm learning how to work with His glory and His presence and what He's already doing. You get what I'm saying? And this is what Ephesians, it says, find out what the Lord's will is. That's what the, that's what the Bible says. In Ephesians, I think it's four something or five. You read both chapters, it's good for you. Or just ask David Knox because he's probably got it on memory on lock. But it says, find out what the will of the Lord is. It doesn't just mean what the will of God is for your destiny, for your you know, career choice, for what school you should go to. But in your day-to-day life, find out what the will of the Lord is. And whenever you do what He's already doing, it works every single time. Every time. You win every time. And, and you, you, you don't really have to be that smart, but God makes you look like a genius. Because everything you do is successful because you just learn to partner with what He's doing. And He wins every time. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. That has nothing to do with my message, but I just excited to tell about it. All right. Tonight, I want to talk about uh, a message called Take What's Yours. I would say, Take What's Yours. Take What's Yours. Oh, that's good. Tell your other neighbor. Say, tell them, t- Take What's Yours, bro. Take what's yours. Sister. Yeah. That's, that's the seat for the You know, at Jewish festivals, they leave a seat. At the, at the Passover, they leave a seat for Elijah the prophet because the Malachi said that he would come back the, anyway. So that's where Elijah is tonight. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Joshua 18. Are you there already? Yeah. Now the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of meeting there. And the land was subdued before the... Everyone say subdued. Subdued. 
Verse 2, but there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. Verse 3, then Joshua said to the children of Israel, you got to catch this. He said, how long will you neglect to go in and possess the land which the Lord your God has given you? The Lord God of your fathers has given you. Notice it's past tense, has given you. It's already yours. Touch your neighbor and say, it's already yours. I'm going to read verse 3 again. Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long will you neglect, some translations say put off, how long will you put off to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? And, and, and this is crazy, man. So, so big picture story. You guys probably have talked about this at some point because I feel like everyone's talking about Joshua right now. But <laughs> it's the thing. It's the thing the Lord's doing. They cross into the promised land. They cross the Jordan. We'll get back there in a second. But they cross the, the, the Jordan into the promised land. They take out Jericho. They start taking out cities. They start dispossessing the land, kicking the enemies out. And, and what's happening is the Bible said that there was only uh, uh, five tribes that had taken actually their land that was theirs. And seven tribes, in verse 2 it said, seven tribes had not yet received their inheritance. That means they were in the promise, but they weren't living in the promise. Wow. Did you get that? Yeah. They, they were living in the promised land, but not living in the promise. Wow. They were in the place of promise, but they didn't have it. They didn't possess it yet. They, they, in other words, they got born again, but they were living like, like they were an orphan. But they're not. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's what happens to us. And, they, and it says they neglected it. Joshua said, how long will you neglect it? And, they, and, and, and I'm wondering, like, why did they neglect it? Or some translations say, put it off. They, they put it off. Like, I don't know. I don't know. You, you get those kind of things sometimes. Yeah, I have like five half-read books on my, you know, on my nightstand. You know what I'm talking about? He got all kinds of stuff, and sometimes we just put it off because I, I ain't feeling it right now or whatever. And I don't know what the exact reason why they neglected it or put it off, because I, I don't know. The Bible doesn't clearly say that, but in speculation, maybe it was just they, they looked at getting it, and maybe they thought it was just too hard. Sometimes that's what we do in Christianity. We, we, we go like, man... I see the blessed life. I see this person living it out, but that looks way too hard. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that, the cost is just way too much for me to go in and get some of that. And sometimes we can look at that, or sometimes it was maybe it was just easier for them to be in warfare mode. Because tell me, I know they've been they've been dispossessing the land. They've been cutting fools. You know what I'm saying? They they have been kicking out the enemies for a long season. And sometimes uh, we get so caught up in warfare mode that we forgot about what the warfare's for. Is to get us into the blessing. Are you with me on this? Sometimes we're 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 like ah, oh, I bind every devil. I bind every principality. You know, I mean, that's how I do it. That may not be how you do it. <laughs> but sometimes we are warring in our prayers so much that we kicked out every devil that could possibly be there. And it's, the room is clear. The atmosphere is clear. But we're still kicking devils out. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> There's no devil in the doorknob, bro. It's, it's clear. And God just wants you to rest in the promise sometimes. There's warfare seasons, and then sometimes there's resting seasons. And this is what they were coming into, resting in the promise that God had for them. Wow. They said, guys, listen, you, you guys have been kicking some tail. That's awesome, and I appreciate that because I told you to do that. But I also want you to just start walking in it now. Wow. 
I'll, I'll, you know, in other words, sometimes we're, we're fighting against, man, I can't break this performance mentality, man. I'm like, oh. And we, before we know it, we're performing to break the performance. <laughs> and God's like, just chill. Just chill. And sit at my right hand until your enemies become your footstool. Yeah. Does that make sense? Are you guys with me on this? Sometimes we're fighting for something that we already have. And God's already given it to us. And I get it because sometimes, and we're going to get into this, but I'm just in, you know, introducing this topic to you. That they, they were called to go in and take possession of the land. And, and I, I was reminded of this story when I was thinking about this message. And I, uh, it's a story that came out of a book, but it's, by, it's a story about uh, Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon. He was a great preacher. And th- this is what he said. Uh, this is what the story said. I'm just going to read it. He, he was called to the home of an elderly woman who was bedfast. Malnutrition was about to take her physical life. And so during his visit, Spurgeon noticed a framed document on the wall. And he asked the woman, is this yours? And she said, yeah. And explained that she had worked as a maid in the household of some English nobility. Before Lady So-and-so died, the woman said, she gave that to me. I served her for nearly half a century. I've been so proud of it because she gave it to me. I had it framed. It's been hanging on the wall ever since she died 10 years ago. And so Spurgeon asked her, would you allow me to take it and have it examined more closely? She said, oh, yes. Just, you know, uh, and, this, and it says, said the woman who had never learned to read, uh, just be sure I get it back. So Spurgeon took it to the authorities, and they had, and, and they had actually been looking for it. It was, it was a bequest, and this is what it is. The English noblewoman had left her maid a home and money. She left her an inheritance. She, the, she was a noblewoman, and she left her maid the, a home and a bunch of money. But this elderly woman lived in a little one-room one house built out of wooden boxes and was starving to death. Yet she had hanging on the wall a document that authorized her to be well cared for and to live in a fine house. And the money was gathering interest, and it belonged to her. Spurgeon helped her get it, but it didn't do her as good, as much good as it could have earlier. Wow. Wow. Is that crazy or what? She's living in a... She's living in an impoverished situation, dying from malnutrition. All the while, there's a document on the wall, but because she's illiterate, cannot read it. It's just sitting there and saying, you have a house and a whole bunch of money waiting for you. You have an inheritance waiting for you, but she's chilling in poverty because she didn't know it. Wow, come on. That's crazy. This is what the prophet says. Hosea 4, verse 6, he says, My people are destroyed... For a lack of knowledge. Wow. <laughs> My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But here's here, here's a more exciting verse. Colossians 1.12. Colossians 1.12 says this, that we give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in the light. God, the Father, because He's a good dad, He has, and we thank Him for this. What, what do we thank Him for? He has qualified us. It means He has made us fit for. He has equipped us for this. He has made us well able to do this one thing. And what is this one thing? To be a partaker, to be a sharer in the inheritance. Someone say inheritance. inheritance. To be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in the light. That means we all have the potential to get everything. Ooh, wow. Potential. 
don't know about you. I, actually, I do know about you because you're sitting in this room tonight. You don't want to be that dude living in the, you know, in some shack somewhere with, 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 with a plaque on the wall that has everything. We got the new covenant written out telling us we got everything we've ever needed. Colossians 1, 12. I don't want to just chill it on a wall. I want to possess what God has promised me. Are you with me tonight? And so this is the thing. Uh, let's go back a little bit. Go Turn to Joshua 3 because we're going we're gonna to take a quick little journey here. I'm going to show you uh, the journey of what they went through here. Joshua 3, if you just turn to the left a little bit. Joshua 3, this is what it says in verse 14. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan. Someone say cross. cross. That's important. With the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. When they set out, and, and was... And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water. How I many all know, like, that's the miracle right there. They, they just put their feet in there. For the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. That's amazing. They crossed at a time of harvest. But look, look at verse 16. This is Joshua 3.16. It's almost as good as John 3.16. But it's the same message. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still. And rose in a heap very far away at Adam. Someone say Adam. Adam. The city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, failed and were cut off. By the way, that's another name for the Dead Sea, the salt sea or the Dead Sea. It failed and the waters were cut off and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. So we'll say dry ground. Dry ground. And, all the, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. That's crazy right there. I don't know if you all caught everything I just said right there, but this is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to open this up for us. This is a picture of what it is to be born again. They crossed over the Jordan. Now, let me just give you some definitions of some names because there's always secrets hidden in the names. The, the name Jordan actually means descender or one who descends. It's something that goes down, right? That's what it descends. And it, and it flows into a place called the Dead Sea. So it's descending into the Dead Sea. Now, what I want you to notice is when, they, when the priest stepped in it, which is an amazing miracle. I mean, that's a whole message in itself that when you just take a step into what God's called you to do, then the miracle parts instead of waiting for the part. You know, they, they just stepped in. They just you know. But the waters, the waters went all the way back up to a city called... Adam. Wow. And it was next next to a town called Zaratan, which means their distress. Wow. This is this is a beautiful picture of what it is to be born again, friends. This is what happens. The, the, the priests step in. How many of y'all know we have a high priest named Jesus? He stepped in, identified with us, wow. and he and when he stepped into the scene and when he did the work at the cross, he took the flow. Adam, the descending all the way to death. How many of y'all know through Adam, death entered the world, and the fall of man is through starting with the person of Adam. And, the, and Adam descended all the way to death. If we stay in that stream, we remain in death. Wow. You, you guys follow what I'm yes. saying? And when the priest stepped in, the waters went all the way back up. He dried it all the way up to Adam. Wow. wow. Y'all picking up what I'm throwing down? I'm almost going to let that simmer for a second because you got to think that one through a little bit. It is a crockpot word. Oh, wait, wait. And what, what, what sign did they make when they crossed? Don't mess 
literally they crossed the Jordan. There's no insignificant details in the Bible, my friends. I'm telling you the truth. They crossed the Jordan, and all of the, the, the fall of man that started at a person named Adam was dried up. And he dried it all the way up, all the way back to Adam. So when you get born again, you become a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 yeah. says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that he is a new creation. What, what does it say? All old things, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Jesus dried up the flow of the sinful nature that we got from Adam. And he, did it all, he dried it up all the way back to Adam and gave us a brand new identity. Oh. He destroyed the power of our past at the cross. At the cross. This is the gospel, man. This is what it is to be a new creation. It's, it's all of your past is wiped away at the cross. And he gives you a brand new start. New means unused, never seen before, unprecedented. That's literally what the word means in Greek. When you look up new creation, it means unprecedented. The world has never seen anything like it before. Brand new. Brand spanking new. I don't know why it's spanking, but it's... When they spank the baby? Okay, there you go. That's what you should do. When you get born again, someone should just give you a good, good game. Here's the, here's the point. You, here, here's what this means for you. You don't have to live in your generational curses anymore. Oh my God. You're like, forget. Well, well, you know, there's this in my family line. My grandmama did this and my great grandma, you know. You go all up the line and you can be like, there's violence, there's, there's alcoholism, there's adultery, there's this, there's cheating, there's, you know, all that kind of stuff. Be like, what's well, in all that? Well, good, good news. Jesus didn't dry it up all the way up to just your grandparents. He dried it all the way up to the first person. And he swallowed all of it up. He swallowed all You don't have to live in the stream that flows to death anymore. When they crossed over, he dried the whole thing up. Hallelujah. This is good news tonight. This is good news tonight. If you agree with these words tonight, I'm telling you it will be breakthrough for you tonight. If you agree with the word of God, that he actually took your old, that's what it says, the old things had passed away. And all things have become new. Oh, we, we, the, the issue is that sometimes <laughs> the promised land has some enemies in it that we need to kick out. How many of y'all know when you got born again, it didn't mean all your problems went away? Yep. It just... <laughs> you, just <laughs> you just have a new power to face them. You, you're not living in a downstream that leads to the, to the Dead Sea anymore. That's what life is like outside of Christ. You can, there's some people who are strong enough to swim upstream and swim upstream until they're like 95 and then they finally hit the death thing. And, and, and they don't know Jesus. But, but I'm telling you, you all have a privilege because you crossed the Jordan when you said yes to Jesus and you walked into a whole new creation identity. And that's who you really are. You know those moments in worship where, where all of a sudden you feel like the most awesome person in the world? Like, yeah. like, like you're praying and it's like hitting the target every time. Your worship feels like it's touching God's face every time. You know, you, you know all those things and, and all the things that were holding you back, the discouragement, the, the disqualification, the lies, all that. All of a sudden they seem so far away from you. That's who you really are. Yeah. Come on. That, that's not just a temporary, like, I'm addicted to the anointing when I'm in ministry settings. Yeah. Come on. 
But that's who you really are. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17, where new creation, old things have passed away, and old things have become new. I don't know what your story is, but I know what I've gone through. And whatever it is, the Bible said that he took it all the way back to Adam and dried it all up for us. So we don't have to live in this junk anymore. We don't have to. We all have the potential. Colossians 1.12, giving thanks to the Father who has made us uh, qualified to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in the light. We all have the potential to inherit this whole thing. And I know, I, I, I know, I know it's you because you're sitting in this room. You don't want just a plaque on the wall. You want it to be an experience in your life. It's, it's, it's the gospel, man. And so this is what we get. This is what we get. Uh, we... <laughs> We cross the Jordan and we get a new creation. This is our identity. I know, I know Taylor was talking about uh, being children of God last week. That's, that's the whole kit and caboodle right there. That's like the whole deal. Children of God. We're sons and daughters of a mighty God. And, and that's what we get when we're in Christ. We get everything Christ deserves. If you keep reading the chapter 2 Corinthians 5, the verse 21 says, He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Now, when you're as righteous as Jesus, that means you get all the blessings of righteous people. That's good, man. Read the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. You're blessed and you're coming. You're blessed and you're going. Whatever you put your hands to will be blessed. Enemies come at you one way. They flee from you in seven ways. You know, like, I want to live that life. And if we're all honest here, we all know some of this stuff, but not necessarily, we know it in our head, but not necessarily in our experience. And this is the second part of the message. So we crossed the Jordan and we got born again. So we have to kick out the enemies. Mm-hmm. We have to learn to kick out the enemies because the, the, the promised land didn't just come like scot-free. You know what I'm saying? Like, be, when we get born again, we have some bad belief systems that need to be terminated. Yeah. 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 Because the reality is our account in Christ is sure. We're blessed. We're anointed. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. We're, we're, you know, we got all the goods, man. Blessed means anointed to prosper, empowered to overcome, and impossible to curse. Like, that's who we are. But experiencing that is a whole other world. It's faith that draws you into experience. Someone, say, someone can say, like, well, you guys talk about experiencing God. You know, faith. It's not about experience. It's about faith. I just trust God. But like, yeah, but if you had the faith, then the faith would lead you into an experience. It, that, this is what Galatians 3 says. Galatians 3, it says, Does God uh, uh, give you His Spirit and work miracles amongst you because you have obeyed the law or because you believed what you have heard? And the obvious context is because you believed. It's the simple faith. And I, I'm, I'm learning that uh, sometimes I can get so scholarly about theology that I actually miss the author in the whole thing. Like I'm, I'm like, you know, straining out a gnat, you know, the whole thing, like straining out a gnat and missing the camel, you know, like that he told the Pharisees. And I miss the, like trying to get all theology, theological. But if, the thing is, when you have faith and you experience the Lord, the most simplest of statements have the most powerful of, of weight behind them. Because you're not talking about theory now. You're talking about experience. And no one can refute that. They can say it all day long. They can tell me all day long that dude's metal didn't come out. But I'm like, homeboy, ran across the stage. You know what I'm saying? Or even more personal, they could tell me that, oh, he didn't die on the cross. But I experienced it. I experienced the love of God demonstrated at the cross. I've tasted it, man. It's changed my life. Just today I was in an encounter in worship. And I don't even understand what was happening. Oh, it's coming back. Oh, okay. I need to preach the Lord. 
and, and just the presence of God just came in my little office space in my garage with my dogs. <laughs> And the glory of God came in. And no one can tell me, like, oh, God's not real. I'd be like, bro, I don't know what you're talking about, what, whatever trash you believe in. But, like, God is right here because yeah. I've tasted Him. Man. I've seen too much. How many of you know sometimes we get in too deep to go backwards? Yeah. I'm in too deep. I'm in too deep, man. He, he's loved me too much to turn my back on Him. And so there's, we got a kick. <laughs> Come on. It's true. And God's wild like that, huh? He will chase you down with the hounds of heaven. He will chase you down. What's that Jesus culture song? You chase me down. You seek me out. I'll get only lost when you have called me found. I know that. I know the words. We got to kick out the enemies. And what this looks like is renewing the mind. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to the... To the, to the Patterns of this word, that's the word. To the pattern of this word, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You want to know how to be changed, is change the way you think. Okay. And that's what that's what dispossessing the enemies in the promised land looks like. It's it's we we we, we renew the mind, we take hold of what Christ paid for us to have, and we walk in our true identity. In other words, we're not letting the enemy run our lives anymore. Like, I, I, I have to fight this stuff. Like, I, I want you to know that for me, it's not just like I stand up here, like, with confidence that I'm telling you all this stuff without any battles. Like, I have to pray sometimes. Like, I will not let you, spirit of fear, run my life. I bind you, devil. I will not let the fear, I will not let intimidation run my life. I will move forward. I have to do that. I have to encourage myself in the Lord plenty of times. I have to remind myself, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I have to kick out the enemies and begin developing new belief systems based on what Jesus bought for me. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. And so that means we have the mind of a beloved son. We have the mind of a beloved of God. And so what happens though is any area in our lives that there's hopelessness or there is like a weighty, like not weighty glory, but I'm talking about a weighty depression, you know, like spirit of heaviness for the, you know, all that junk. Anytime that is, it's just because there's some type of belief system in our hearts or in our minds that isn't lined up with the truth. And what I found is that sometimes, this is crazy, and this may not be the most exciting thing to hear, but what I found is that sometimes God will actually allow us to go through trials and he, and because, because there's no other way that He can squeeze that squeeze the the junk out of us. Yes. <laughs> and this is what I mean. You will actually experience rejection time and time and time and time again from people who are important to you, not because God's trying to reject you, but because He's trying to teach you that full acceptance comes in Him first. Yes. And time after time after time, you're like, why did this person reject me? Why did that person reject me? Why did that person reject me? But, but this is what God does sometimes. He allows the rest of the world to reject you so that you can find acceptance in only Him. Because when it's Him first, everything else falls together. Yeah. Creation is meant to function right when the Lord is first. Oh. It doesn't work right when Jesus isn't first. Amen. If you want a scripture for that, that's Colossians 1, uh, 17, 18, 19, somewhere in there. It says that basically that Christ would have preeminence. Yeah. Preeminence is the very first place, the highest, the priority. And that's how God designed things. But I actually believe that trials will come in your life to know that you're accepted in the beloved, but he'll allow you to be rejected by everybody else so that way that truth drives into your heart. I don't like it, but sometimes the only way that we let go of the lies is when we get forced to. Wow. Y'all ever experienced stuff like that? <laughs> You're like, this trial sucks! <laughs> 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 Excuse me, alright, that was intense. 
And you're like, it sucks. I hate this. And it's the only way sometimes God squeezes it out of you. It's the only way sometimes that God can get you to surrender. It's like he's holding you, waiting, you, waiting to say, uncle, you know, whatever. I, you know. And it's, it's the love of God. That's the love of God. Here's scripture for that. Luke 15, the prodigal son. He went and he was eating food out of pigs. Like a pig pen buffet. <laughs> Nasty. The pods. And, and guess what? The father let him do that. Wow. Not because he's mean. But because sometimes the only way we find out that God is all we need is we find out everything else doesn't work. Sometimes it's the way it works. And that's how it worked for the prodigal son. He had to come to his senses. You remember that part? He came to his senses and he realized, what the heck am I doing believing this trash? Like, I have it better off at my dad's house. I've been living like a slave... Or, aka, I've been I've been living like in a <laughs> impoverished in a little hut with a with a inheritance thing on the wall that I don't even know how to read. Wow! And all of a sudden, uh, you, you know, you needed the, you needed Spurgeon to come in and tell you what's going on. That's the Holy Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> the Holy Ghost whispers, <laughs> "Hey, hey, check this out. You you don't even know it." It's better over there. And you're like, what the heck? How come I didn't think of that? <laughs> and it's the grace of God working behind the scenes to get you back to a place where daddy's with you again. Or you're with daddy, it's better to say. And he told the older brother, he said, everything I have is yours and you're always with me. That's amazing. Did you get that? The father, which is God in the story, says, everything I have is yours and I am always with you. And they had to kick some enemies out of the, of the promised land in order to fully inherit the whole thing. And we have to kick out some mindsets that aren't healthy for us to get the whole enchilada. I believe that repentance is a process. I, I, this is why the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. That's 1 Timothy 6.12. It says, fight the good fight of faith. There's some fights that we shouldn't fight, and this one's a good fight, and we should fight it. The fight of faith. To believe and hold on to what God says regardless of circumstances or emotions or feelings. And the repentance starts, I believe, as a seed. Remember that parable of the sower where it comes as a seed and it's planted on the different four different soils? This is what I believe that repentance starts as. It comes as a seed formed into our hearts. David said, I've, I've you know, hidden your word in my heart that I won't sin against you. Why, why is he saying hide the word? Because that's what you do with seeds. You hide them in soil. And the seed produces something, and it begins to take time. But how many of y'all know sometimes, like, I, I, I like growing plants and stuff. You put a seed in the ground, you've got to water it. It's got to have sun. There's got to be, like, the, the nutrients in the soil and all that stuff. This is how you nurture the promise of God in your life. You have to get yourself in the presence of God. That's the sunlight. That's the water. That's the, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's why, you know, uh, worship is one of the highest forms of not only meditation, but transformation. When you worship God, you're actually being changed without even knowing it. I, 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 this happens in my life. My first, my first like, few years of being saved, I just believed what everyone told me. And I, and I wish, man, I wish I didn't get like smart or something. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I wish I didn't grow up as much. Like, I wish I'd grow, grow, grow up to be a child. You, I don't know how to say it, but like, like, grow down to be a child. I don't understand it. But sometimes you get so like, like I know everything, and then you lose it all. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I wish I just stayed with the simplicity of, like, 
like God's good, like because sometimes you hear someone like this is what the Greek word said, and I'm de you know defining words. You'd be like, oh, I need to have something crazy like that. Like yes, study the word and all that stuff. But sometimes it's simple as just worship the Lord. Amen. I like, there's this lady named Ruth Ruth Ward Heflin who says, praise until the spirit of worship comes, worship until the glory comes, and then just stand in the glory. Whoa. That's amazing, man. And praise praise is 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 thanking God and blessing Him for what He's done. But worship is different. Worship is just just honoring Him for who He is. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, just like the song where you say, your presence is all, and I just exalt you, that's worship. And, and it's not like the other songs are wrong. It's just there's a moment when the, when the atmosphere shifts, and you just kind of worship. And it's not about, God, you did this for me. Do this, do this, do this, do this. You've done this. It's like, no, no, you're the King of glory. And I worship you because you're God. And you're good. There's a moment in that, and that is the place where transformation begins to happen. Because you're like, like the seed of the word gets planted in our hearts. So we take an identity word. We're a new creation. The old things have passed away. I'm not who I once was. I'm new in Christ. And that word, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, is planted in my heart. But I'm still struggling with some of these past things or whatever it is. And you take that word, you plant it in your heart. But how do you nurture it? Because we can't, we, we can't just put a seed in the ground and then walk away and never water it. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like you, you'll have some dry patches, you know. And so like this, you get the seed of the word, but you nurture it by getting into the presence of God. The rain of the Spirit of God falls on it. And the sunlight of God's goodness comes on it. It's the presence of God. How, how do you, how, you know, because sometimes we be like, well, and I, and I believe in, you know, it's like we can make declarations. And, and, I, and I do that. I just said I do that. But there's something about worship that transcends all of it. It's, it's like you're getting in the very presence of the person who said the word. <laughs> and it just I believe this. I, I believe that repentance is a process, but I believe when you're when you put yourself in the glory of God and the manifest presence of God, there's an acceleration that happens. Wow. That 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 like th yes, miracle bro. There you go. <laughs> Things happen faster in the presence of God is all I'm trying to say. Uh, scripture reference 2 Samuel 6 uh, the Ark of the Covenant chilled at this guy named Obed Edom's house for three months. And the Bible said that the blessing of God came upon him and his entire household, everything he had. And the presence of God was just ch chilling there for three months. How do you kick out the enemies? How do you kick out the bad belief systems? You get a word, and then you dwell in the glory. And sometimes it's not by saying anything. Sometimes we want to sing. Sometimes it's just soaking in his presence. Sometimes it's just being with him. And those words start sprouting to life. I'm, and, and here's an even better tool. Not better. I'm, I'm going to say uh, assistant tool, all right? Fasting. Yes. Because sometimes our spiritual airways get clogged up. I don't understand how this works, but they, we get clogged up and we can't function properly. With just a moment of fasting. Take a day to fast and just seek the Lord and pray and worship. Oh, my gosh. It is a spiritual cleansing. It is like, shwoom. Oh, my God. I can hear God again. You know, like, and that's what causes you to, to new creation nature to come alive. It's the glory. It's the manifest presence of God. And fasting, actually, it's like, a, it's like the, the Bible said that if the axe is dull, it takes more strength to, to cut with. But wow. when it's sharpened, it's better. When you, when you fast, you're actually sharpening your spiritual edge. You're actually cutting through places that you couldn't get through before because you were a dull axe trying to you know, break the wood. But when you're sharp, shing, it just cuts right through. And that's what fasting does to your spiritual life. That's what it does. So if you have a struggle in any area of identity, you're like, well, I'm struggling to actually think that I'm a child of God. I'm struggling to think I'm a son or a daughter. Or I'm struggling to, to believe that I'm accepted. Or I'm struggling to believe that, you know, this, this, that. Whatever identity we can go through. We're salt and light in the world, you know. We're blessed and all these types. I'm struggling in this area. 
Well, why don't you take a day of fast and then meditate on the word and worship God and see how that thing starts sprouting in your life. And the Bible says there's even the process. It's a process, remember, because plants take some time to grow unless you get in the glory realm for like a month straight or something. And it's like bamboo. It grows visibly before you. you know what I'm talking about? I like the glory acceleration. But I also know that it's a process and God's wise when how he does all that. But then the Bible said that there's 30, 60 and 100 fold. Did you know that? There's 30, the, the plant will produce 30 times more than what the seed was, or 60, or then 100 times more. That's wild, man. That means there's levels of you growing in your identity. There's levels of me understanding that I'm a new creation. And then there's another level, and then there's another level. There's another level of me understanding that I'm a child of God. There's another level of me understanding that I'm blessed. There's another level of me understanding that I'm healed. There's another level of me understanding that I'm a miracle-working, you know, Holy Ghost-carrying machine. You, you know what I'm saying? There's levels of it. Because there's one level I understand, okay, cool, and then all of a sudden I, I, I soak in the presence of God, I, I get that word, and I meditate on the word, and it begins to grow even more. Not 30, but 60. Oh, and then I grow even more in a hundredfold, and I'm learning even more things about who I am. And this is how you cut, this is how you kick the enemies out of your promised land. Are you with me still? Yes. Some of us have been discouraged by the process, thinking that we're just messed up, but I want to encourage you, it takes time for seeds to grow. We kick out the enemies, and it's okay. Like, this, this is like, it's so good to know that like, God is okay with you not being okay. Do you, you get what I mean when I say that? Like, I'm, I'm saying, like, he wants you to grow and all that stuff, but, but he likes you right now. He doesn't like, like, the 10-year the version, 10-year-ahead version of you better than the version now. He likes you, the right now version of you. So you got to use that as your anchor point and as your springboard into, okay, transform me, Lord. I, I want to get to the point. Jesus was able to say, when you look at me, you see the Father. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How cool would that be? That, that they, they say, man, when they look at the crux at Summit, I can see who God is by looking at the many faces of, of, of God here. I was, I was reading in the Passion Translation today in Psalm 24, and it talks about that verse where it says, um, uh, the, the, seek the face of God. The, this is the generation who seeks his face. But in, in, uh, in Hebrew, the word face is plural, and it means the faces of God. Ooh, wow. You want to know who the faces of God are? Look around. <laughs> Come on, man. That's what Sean Bull says, seven billion pieces of God's heart strewn throughout the earth. <laughs> this is who you are, but it's a process of us walking into it by experience. It's already in your account, and then as we walk it, as we displace the enemies, and this is what the Bible says. I want you to write these verses down. Deuteronomy 7.22. This is Deuteronomy 7.22. And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. Wow. You will be unable to destroy them at once, lest the beasts of the field come and become uh, too numerous for you. Little by little. Exodus 23.30 says the same thing. Little by little I will drive them out before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. Deuteronomy 7.22 and Exodus 23.30. Everyone say little by little. Little by little. It's little by little, friends. So don't be discouraged that like, it's like, man, David like knows so much more Bible than me. Well, he knows so much more Bible than a lot of people. So you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so calm down. No, I'm good. So much. Or, or, man, I don't get it. Taylor and 
Taylor and Dominic are the most encouraging people that I know on the planet. You know what I'm saying? Like, they are the most encouraging. Like, and I feel like all I can do is pick out all the negative things. Like, what the heck? You know, like, little by little, though. You know what I'm saying? Little by little. It's okay. Because he's doing it little by little so that you can handle it. God actually works on one or two things at a time in your life. So that way you don't feel overwhelmed by him telling you everything that's messed up. Come on, come on, come on. Because he's a good dad. When I'm I'm teaching people in, in whatever ministry aspects, or even my son, it's like... He was helping me put these new license plate frames on Rochelle's car today. <laughs> and all kind of, I'm like, good job, man. You know, like he just put one little thing up there. I'm like, yeah, yeah that's amazing. You know, like I'm not going to sit there at a year and a half, no, a year, a year and a half year old, right? Yeah. And tell him, be like, you need a, your screwdriver skills are a little, you know, a little weak. So, you know what I mean? It's righty tighty, lefty loosey. Get it right. You know what I mean? Like he just doesn't do that. It's little by little. Someone say little by little. Little by little. All right, I'm, I, I'm out of time here. The last point is this. No. Taking possession. So we cross the Jordan, we kick out the enemies, and we fully take possession. We take a hold of it. Take possession means to seize, it means to dispossess, it means to inherit, it means to occupy. And I was looking this up in the lexicon, and this is, it says literally, to occupy by driving out previous tenants and possessing their place. <laughs> And I love, I love the scripture in Ephesians of uh, the armor of God. It says, after you've done everything to stand, stand. Did you know the word stand is four times in Ephesians 6, stand? There's one verse that says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And, and four times it says stand. I, I actually believe that spiritual warfare isn't about taking new ground. It's about standing on the ground that God has already given you. Because how many of y'all know the devil's trying to push you off? It's like American gladiators all over again. And he's trying to push you off your place. <laughs> push you off. You're not blessed. You're not loved. You're, man, you, you sin too far. You're, you're messed up. Guilt, shame, condemnation, fear. God's not going to take care of you. Well, I'm trying to push you off your place. And spiritual warfare isn't about just strug- striving or struggling. It's actually about standing in the place that God has placed you. And he's placed you on the rock of Christ. Hallelujah. And uh, man, oh... It's time, I mean, I'm telling you, it's time to take what's rightfully ours. It's time to stop letting the devil push us around like he's like some kind of kingpin, you know, deal trying to ah, tell us what to do all the time. It's time to live the blessed life and the loved life and the free life, the supernatural life, the generous life, because this is who you are. You've already crossed over. He already dried up everything. And now it's time to dispossess the enemies and take hold of it. He, Joshua said, listen, it, how long are you going to put it off for? How long are you going to put off being a light on the campus? How long are you going to put it off, wow. you know, uh, living in, in poverty mindsets? Wow. How long are you going to put off, you know, staying in the, I'm, I'm like, I don't want that. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not an orphan. I'm not impoverished. I'm not cursed. I'm not condemned. I'm not bound. How many of y'all know that's true? That you're a child of God, that you're blessed, that you're forgiven, that you're chosen, that you are set free. You are a miracle-working Holy Ghost machine everywhere you go. The atmosphere changes because the glory of God lives inside of you. You are light in this world, and you are strong. you got to know you're strong. You're strong. Ah. One of the most encouraging words I needed to hear one time was from Johnson, and this is before I even started coming. He sent me an email in all caps and says, You are strong. I needed to know that. Some of us need to know that. You're strong. You're strong. You're strong. You have what it takes. It's the truth tonight. Come on, man. I believe in you. 
I, I believe in you, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a, it's a season of inheriting everything Daddy said about you. It's the fortifying of the truth inside of your heart. Yeah. It's taking a hold of it. Oh. Hallelujah. The scripture said it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then he says the exact same thing. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by yoke of slavery. Galatians 5.1 So don't let, don't let the devil run your life. He's not the Lord. He's just, he's just not, he's not good at it. Oh, thank you, Lord. I want, I want to just pray. Thank you, sweet Holy Ghost. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your presence in this place. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit SummitSanMarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.